Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. I'm Leo Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Wherever you're listening from right now, uh, think about hitting that subscribe button. We put out interviews multiple times a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Consequence of Sound. And, uh, and we'd love to keep you up to date on all of those. Obviously, you're a music fan. You're an interview fan. Uh, hit that subscribe button. You can do it wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, like uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can also subscribe at YouTube if that's more your speed. I'm Kyle Mayer. Today, my guest is one of my favorite artists, Sam Beam of Iron & Wine. Uh, Sam's just put out a collaborative record, Iron and & Wine and Calexico, the album Years to Burn. This follows the one they did back in 2005 called In the Rains. And we're going to do some compare and contrast, but mostly we're going to be looking 
at what made up this beautiful record called Years to Burn. The improvisational, jazzy elements that we find in here, and lots of themes about uh, about time, not only in, in song titles like your own time and, and, of course, in the album title with Years to Burn, but it's a theme that Sam has come back to many times over his career, something that's been on his mind. In fact, we'll use that seg to talk about probably his most famous album, Our Endless Number Days, which he just released earlier this year as a deluxe edition for its 15th anniversary. That's the album that had Naked As We Come on it. We'll talk about what that song has meant to him and the fans through the years and about the demos that's included on that uh, deluxe edition. Also earlier this year, he took it out and and did a a live version with the Los Angeles Philharmonic, a very powerful moment for Sam that he tells us about. And speaking of tours, the Iron & Wine Calexico tour runs July through November, and it sounds like there might be more dates after that. He's always a lovely human being to talk to. It's Kyle Meredith with Iron and Wine. Hey, Kyle, it's Sam. I know it's been a, a few years since we've caught up, but uh, I, I'm really excited to, especially behind a, a couple of, uh, of records that you put out this year, uh, the deluxe edition of our Endless Number Days, but uh, more recently, this, this brand new record with Calexico and Years to Burn, which is all kinds of fantastic. Congratulations on this. Thanks, man. Thanks for the kind words. It's fun to make. Yeah, and and it's, you know, as it's told now, you know, it's it's almost been 15 years, I think 14 years since uh, you all did it the first time with... with Within the reins, yeah. With with it being, you know, con- I, well, I should ask this: Is it connected to In the Reins? Is this an album? Is Years to Burn something that has to speak to that record? I don't think it does. I mean, I definitely feel like we, you know, it's hard to say. It it doesn't really like pick up a baton and go anywhere. Except it was informed by the way that we interacted on tour last time. You know, the last time that we made a record, we didn't really know each other, so we just kind of showed up in the studio and shook hands and made some music, and then we kind of. Uh, learned to play together as a band and learn each other and what everyone's strengths were later um, on tour, you know, because we toured it for about a year after we put it out. You know, come to find out, Don and Joey are incredible improvisers and feed off of, like, spontaneity and that kind of thing. I didn't really leave space for them for that kind of stuff on that first record because I didn't really know that about them. But I definitely knew it this time. And so when we went into the studio, we were definitely sort of picking up uh, where we left off as a band. I mean, thematically, there's not really a, a through line, but I do feel like as a group of people, we kind of picked up where we left off. I mean, it was not too long after this that you started incorporating more, not too long after In the Rains, yeah. that you started incorporating more jazz type of uh, of sounds totally. into into your own songwriting. Did that spur from those early Calexico, uh, that, that tour? Yeah, questionably. I mean, I can't say like what specific things they were, you know, like specific sounds that they helped shape, but they helped shape like a desire for collaboration, you know, opening up the sound of what Iron Wine was to playing with other musicians, incorporating other styles of music, you know, feeling like it was more of a of a more open palette than I had originally maybe guessed. Uh, and yeah, playing with Joey and John was definitely indispensable for that kind of transition, for sure. You hear that all throughout the record, but I think you especially hear that on the on the bittersweet, which um, yeah, I mean, this is a track that sounds it it's sounds so corny. yeah, well, it sounds loose and structured at the at the same time. I mean, it's it's how did that one come together? Because it it does still sound like three songs put together, but there's still something that does yeah. bring it all along. 
Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, because there's a sequence and we say that it's part of a piece, you say, okay, (laughs) your brain just sort of (laughs) just sort of submit (laughs) and uh, you accept it. Um, Yeah, I came in with the song, the Tennessee Train song. And um, for some reason, Joey was adamant about making this one a a long playing record, you know, like a full length record where I was kind of imagining it as a short play uh, EP like we did last time, you know, just a small collection of songs. But fair play. I mean, he wanted to do a long one, so it meant, like, let's figure out how to make it longer. I mean, I liked the challenge. It was fun. So we basically took a couple of the chord changes from that song and stretched them out and um, improvised over them. I think it was Joey's suggestion that Jacob translate some of it into Spanish. And, you know, just sort of opened your mind up to the possibilities. And you didn't really have a really fixed idea of what the thing was supposed to sound like or the shape of these it was kind of just a matter of um, you know opening yourself up to what could what could happen, and then I mean the title and the whole triptych idea came about when um, we were doing one of the one of the overdub passes on Tennessee Train and Sebastian Steinberg, our bass player, like leans in, you know, we're all letting our last notes ring out before they you know cut the tape off, and um, <laughs> you know just being silly <laughs> because it's a kind of a somber song, you know, leans in and says. Life is bittersweet, and so it just seemed like too corny. I had to, I had to incorporate it into like the whole thing and make it like a like a musical suite. Just sometimes serendipity, you know, blesses you or bites you in the ass, however you wanna, however you wanna take it. I mean, if nothing else, it's a good dad joke on the record. It's a good dad pun, you know. It's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so corny. It it also does solve the. Uh, I mean. At eight tracks, you know, that that is an album, but, but that being three songs in one, I mean, it, it sort of equals the whole thing out to an uh, even ten if you want to look at that. So uh, there's your... Math is hard, babe. Let's, <laughs> let's change the subject. Math is too hard for me. Was it really just a four-day project in the studio? Yeah. I mean, I like having a deadline. It kind of forces you to make decisions and move on, not get too precious about things. And Joey and John were game. You know, they're kind of game for whatever challenge you throw at them, which is... You know, why we're such kindred spirit. It, it forces you to see what you're doing as a snapshot of what you were doing that day, like yeah. the best you could do that day instead of like the best you could ever hope to achieve. And I think it's really healthy. It's healthy for me. Well, it's, it's, it, it sounds amazing when I think of that in context because you, you could have told me that you all worked on this in the studio for three months and I would believe you. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so finished. Um, luckily, I mean, no, thanks, man. I mean, luckily, you know, I like to play with, um, I've been blessed, you know, with a lot of really talented collaborators. You know, you just sort of been collecting this group of, cherry picking these group of musicians over the years who, you know, just have, are great listeners. They're all sort of producers and arrangers in their own right. And so there's never a shortage of good ideas in the room. It's kind of a, a matter of, you know, weeding through those and just sort of picking the best one, which is a great problem to have. And I know a lot of those songs, I mean, they, they, they start out as, as kind of your idea, but different than, you know, in the rains, um, you know, you've got a song like Joey brought in Midnight Sun, which, you know, here you are yeah. now adding to someone else's. What's your approach, you know, when, when you're taking someone else's song like that? Oh, I love it. I mean, I like teams. <laughs> I, like, I get tired of monologuing all the time. It's great to be sort of, you know, in the backfield. I mean, my take is just to see what direction he wants to go, throw some ideas, if any of them stick, you know, help him develop what um, what he likes about him. I love singing with other people, too. So that kind of collaboration, that role in the collaboration is always a joy for me. Let you, uh, in a way, almost become the producer for a second, it sounds like, in that sense. Yeah, for a second. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess you yeah. are a producer. You, I think it was Nico Case who said that, you know, last year. She's like, I am a producer. I produce music. So it's sort of splitting hairs when yeah. you. I mean, that's such a, like a, it's such a broad term, you know, with so many different definitions. But yeah, I definitely, I don't need a producer to make a record, but I do like working with different people. Like, because they're a collaborator too. Some producers are emotional enablers and some are technical enablers but they're all the idea to, to be a maker yeah. and a collaborator there's um a, a line in the press release uh, your, your quote where you said life is hard awesome and scary as shit <laughs> and <laughs> that's language as well yeah like like that's nothing new for our interviews together uh but uh <laughs> You know, I, I don't know if you were trying to summarize what you were singing about uh, on this record or just giving a quote for the sake of giving a quote, but that's what I thought. Like, <laughs> like you know, how has life been in the last couple of years uh, as far as a mirror into what we're hearing on this record? Uh, I mean, I think we write about grown-up things. You know, we, we write from a mid... Joey and I both write from a midlife perspective rather than, you know, a romantic vision of, you know, love or or fear, or whatever, you know, whatever part of life. Um, and so, yeah, it's born out of experience. It, it's just a way to describe a set of songs that's not a clear through line, not a clear, like, thematic through line. It's about, you know, broad reflection on life in, in, in midlife, which can be complicated. Well, I mean, I guess that feels like it plays into the title a, a little bit, which I've heard you play around For with sure. because there's many times that you can, there are many ways that you can kind of deconstruct the word years to burn, but... But when you yeah. pair that up with how the album ends with In Your Own Time, it, it does seem like, you know, you use the word midlife. I, I didn't want to project that, but uh, it seems like that, that, that sort of does encapsulate a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the title was fun in a way where it sort of talked about tangentially or just loosely about what most of the song dealt with in one way or another. And also, you know, just the time, the length of time that had passed between this project and the last project. Last song is a really old song. Yeah, that was one of my first songs. It's the first song that one of the first songs I think Joey and John ever heard that I did. It was like from the batch of songs from like my very first record, like Creek Drank the Cradle kind of time. And then um, it's and it has lines about you know family. Come come meet the family. Sit with us, and you can you can be vulnerable. You can you, someone will catch you if you want to fall. It's just about being vulnerable with friends and enjoying feeling safe and um, you know community. I thought it was a fun way to fun way to end the record. What's interesting then, how and and I, I'm probably forcing this, how that uh, connects with yeah this uh, this deluxe edition of our endless number days because again I'm just going by the titles here, you know in your own time years to burn and you've got our endless number days. What yeah, a time so to many put days the- and times and. <laughs> it's a mouthful. <laughs> should say all the titles all together yeah. ten times. Is is uh, that a coincidence that it all came out like that? No, I mean, well, yeah, I do a coincidence. You know, I can't how long it took Joe and I to. I mean, let's chalk it up to to just monumental procrastination. <laughs> <laughs> but the endless number of days, you know, the anniversary kind of thing. You know, I think it's just you know, there's there's thematic through lines in the different records. Mostly because they're all written by me, and those are things that I like to. Um, I don't know. It's just where my mind goes when I sit down to write a song. I mean, not every time, but but often I return to these ideas. That, you know, what we do with our days, how many we have, and yeah, it's a pretty generous subject to me, I guess. With going back to that album, because on this deluxe edition, you've got you know the demo versions of it on there as well. What was that revisit right. like? Did you did you spend any time kind of? Uh 
heading back to that part of your life? Well, I had to. I hadn't really listened to any of these songs. I had to learn them because we're going to play them on tour. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, yeah, it's always a kick in the head, you know, to to see a, a photo of yourself from a time that, you know, a photo that you hadn't seen in a really long time. I, I don't know. I, I think I definitely feel like there was a time in my life where I was much more self-conscious, but I, I find those kind of snapshots really fun now. For some reason, I don't know. I don't. I don't have the. I'm not really like. It's so so far removed at this point that um, uh, it's really fun to see them as a like a time capsule and really wonder who that person was. I. I some things I remember. Something caught me by surprise, and I didn't remember making making those sounds or putting those ideas out. And um, it was. Um, it's really fun to do. It's interesting to hear those demos too, because because the song is there. You know, I mean, it sounds right. like you kind of elaborated a little bit with extra instrumentation once the studio, you know, versions came around. But it feels like um, yeah. that they were really the connection between that first record and, and, and what became Endless Number Days. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's funny. You know, once you playing with arrangements and things as much as it's done over the years, you realize like every choice that you make is has an emotional weight. Like, or a song like those songs, you can, um, uh, you know, you can sing them a cappella, and they'll, they'll, hopefully, they'll hold up. You know, a, a decent song will hold up. And so, whatever you decide to put underneath it, you know, musically, sonically, to support it, um, has an emotional weight, whether it's propulsive or dissonant or beautiful. You know, and you have endless choices. It's really fun to, to um, you know, to really manipulate that and see see what works, see what works, um, and contradict to what you're saying you know it's just it's it's kind of a freeing really fun creative approach i think i don't know i i get it i i like that kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> uh not well not every song is representative in demo was were, were there songs that didn't were they more studio creations like i look at each coming night there's no I demo know. presence I, was, you know, I, I couldn't find it or you know maybe it was like too similar and didn't really make any sense to like put on there because it was, wasn't that far removed from the from the one that ended up on there. Yeah, so I just couldn't find. That's what happens. And then naked as we came, you know, I want to bring it up because this has seemingly became one of your most popular uh, originals. Do you? Did, yeah, man. Does that um, does that song, you know, does it stand out in a different way than the others do because of how other people have kind of grabbed onto it? I definitely played it a lot more than the other. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't know. They all they all kind of feel like you know part of a time in my life that I still connected to, but don't remember totally. You know, like sort of like a dream that you remember when you wake up, but it keeps fading. But uh, yeah, that that song's been really been been really. Uh, I've been really blessed with that one. Say that about a lot of people, your songs. People really connect with that. Right? Did you already you did you played these with the Los Angeles Philharmonic, right? That already happened, right? Yeah, that was super fun. That was super fun. Yeah, David Campbell, who's a an arranger, um, conductor, and arranger for lots of film scores and different pieces, um, uh, did some uh, arrangements for for those to sort of flesh them out and fill them out and technicolor them out. Um, it was really fun. It's interesting, you know. It's it's like a whole new version uh, of these songs, you know, the demos, the studio version. Yeah. Now you've got this orchestrated version. Do you, I mean, is there a thought on yeah. maybe releasing that the the live version of it? Yeah, we recorded some of it. Uh, we haven't really, I haven't decided. I think we're going to do a lot more of those concerts 
um, after this Calexico stuff kind of wraps up and then, then sort of make a decision about those kinds of things. It, it's really fun. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it was fun for me. Hopefully the audience had fun too. <laughs> but, but I really enjoyed myself. It's also fun to, you know, just be in the middle of a, I mean, not many people go see the symphony anymore, anymore let alone stand in the middle of them and sing. It's really, man, I got to say, it's not easy to forget. It's really yeah. fun. I bet. Yeah, and the, and the tour with the Calexico, that runs uh, July through November. It, it, yeah, I think there's already some talk about going a little bit further, too. Probably. We'll see. I mean, you, you're setting yourself up for us wanting a trilogy. Now you've done two. You know, you've got a before sunrise moment <laughs> happening here. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens in 14 years from now. <laughs> I love that it's 14 that you'd be looking at, too. Not like a big round, not 20, not 15, like 14. Yeah, we find. Yeah, we try to find strong prime numbers next time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last time we we were talking about it the other day. Last time it's been so long that last time it was like right before the iPhone came out. We all had cell phones, but there was no like you know jets and computer right. information superhighway in your in your pocket. And so I wonder, in fourteen years, maybe we'll just you know just have to think our interview together. <laughs> we'll transmit our emotions together and put I, that out. <laughs> I feel like that'd be a nice way you know? of talking to you still, but uh, hopefully we we talk many more times in the in the fourteen years until then. So, <laughs> I hope so, man. You gotta you gotta pick up the phone when I call. I I'm always here, dude. You just gotta you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I, 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 w- I want to catch this tour. You know, I, I do hope to catch uh, uh, one or, or even a couple dates on this tour, and then uh, then turn right around. I mean, this is the collaborative record. Are you already looking at the next solo record too, or, or are you just kind of waiting for the tour to end? Yeah, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of this one right now. I mean, I'm kind of always writing, but I have nothing really taken shape as far as what the next next um, will be. So yeah, we'll see. Stay open to what happens right now. Well, I'm always looking forward to it, Sam. It is always Thank a pleasure. You. Always a pleasure to talk Later, to you. Kyle. Thanks, man. Likewise. And um, yeah, hit me up anytime. I'll just be waiting for your call. Waiting patiently, staring. Hope. Right there, yeah. I'll be there. I'll get you. <laughs> All right, man. Take care, and uh, I'll see you soon. All right, bud. All right, Sam Beam, Iron and Wine, the new uh, Iron and Wine Calexico record, Years to Burn, is out now. Uh, I forgot to ask if uh, if Years to Burn was uh, even a pun on uh, on Joey Burns being in the band. Hey, Sam, you got to call me back. I forgot to ask you that question. Hopefully. I'll be waiting. Now, for you fans who want to take this further, I thought I'd include a couple more interviews I've had in the past with Sam. This one comes back from uh, 2014, so it's been a few years. Sam and I got to reminisce on uh, uncovering such great heights, which is around the 10th anniversary of the Garden State soundtrack. We also talk about his collaboration with another one of our buddies, uh, Band of Horses frontman Ben Bridwell. We hear about him cleaning out the archive closet and a little bit about what would become his next record, Beast Epic, part two of Kyle Meredith with Iron and Wine. Hey, Kyle. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well for a Tuesday. It's nice for to be Tuesday. here. For a Tuesday? Yeah. Is it different than the other days? I don't know. Well, it's Tuesday. Sure. And happy you're alive. I'm happy you're here. Yeah. Uh, now it's good to see you. Uh, what uh, We got um, the new record, Ghost on Ghost. It's, uh, I mean, it's last year, but it's yeah. not like old news yet. Yeah, the newish one. Yeah, the newish one. <laughs> I know. I, I guess I, I've read about how you work and everything. It seems like that's already, like, I did that. Yeah. That's, that's gone. It does feel like that. Um, but at the same time, you know love to talk about myself so let's do it <laughs> <laughs> well i do want to catch up with you um there, there's a few things going on i know you've had some life changes you, you moved around yeah I, I saw really uh something fun um you have a little bit of background in film uh, yeah. i know you started in film school that's right and i guess now around your home you're uh hosting uh 
uh, Harold and Maude yeah, screening. Yeah, we did that just not too long ago. A friend of mine, uh, Robert Malazzo from the Modern Film School in yeah. Manhattan, he uh, he called me one time uh, and w had me introduce a movie when I was in New York one time, and then uh, I just moved to North Carolina to mm -hmm. Durham, and so he had history. I think he went to Duke, and mm -hmm. so he said, "I'm going to be doing the film program there. Um, do you want to show a movie?" And so we picked Harold and Maude because I could get up and you know present the movie and then play the Cat Stevens song. <laughs> I totally butchered the song. Did it you? Was awful. Yeah, it was terrible. It was so embarrassing, but. Anyway, it's, the it, movie's great. It almost <laughs> seems obvious, like, uh, Iron and Wine does Cat Stevens. Like, of course Iron and Wine yeah, does right. Cat Stevens. I know, that was a funny <clears> thing. <throat> like, I, I really had to go um, figure out how to play it, because I never played his song. I mean, I'm aware yeah. of his song, but he they're wasn't, not, like, a big thing for me. Yeah. They're not exactly simple. Like, they sound simple, um, but they've got the, those odd changes that I, I guess... Some of them do. The ones that I was playing did not. <laughs> did not. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could use that as, a, as an excuse. Yeah, not so much. But, his, um, but his, some of the way he delivers... Um, the lines are not intuitive for me. Yeah. Um, whereas some songwriters, you know, you could you hear it once and you've got it. Um, uh, but yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as films goes, it, you know, if if the music thing hadn't uh, taken off, is that where you probably would have ended yeah, up making yeah. the movies? And uh, yeah, I mean, that was the dream to make my own movies. But at the time, uh, I put the first record. I was working, you know, in the industry and teaching, yeah, and right. so yeah, that's what. That's what I was doing. Do you still have a pretty good critical mind about films? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, to be honest, I don't get to see as much as I used to, right. um, as much as I would like to. There's only so many hours in the day. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, I try to keep up. Well, I know you've got a, uh, a gaggle of kids. Like, how many times have you seen Brave and Frozen at this point? You know, Brave was kind of scary for some of them, so we didn't get to watch that one yeah. too many times. Yeah. Well, I didn't have to watch it so many times. Um, Frozen, I saw in the movie theater fantastic movie. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> no, yeah, that's what I want to hear. I, that's going to be the quote on this, life. by the way. <coughs> please, yeah. Get some <laughs> Disney kickback, please. Um, um, uh, no, it was fine. You've been on Disney soundtracks, actually, haven't you? You've been, it was the, uh, the um, Zorro, or no, what was it? Oh, yeah, that was a Disney Yeah, play. that was yeah. Disney, yeah. The Lone Ranger, yeah. See, that's it, Lone Ranger, that's it. See, you've already yeah. got a little Disney kickback. It's uh, yeah, little. It's <laughs> a, a, a good way of describing it. Uh, there, there is a, and, and one more thing about movies, uh, and I've got to bring this up. It's actually the 10th anniversary of Garden State. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, and, and it seems like that, it's kind of a pivotal moment in your career. Yeah, it was. With, with yeah. that association. It really was. Um, it was a, it was wonderful to see, um, you know, the people at the shows, just the numbers kind of blossom just because of this, the impact of this movie. Um, I seem to, at the time, anyway, I had a lot of just, just dumb luck. Really, <laughs> I mean, to, to be honest, uh, Ben Gibbard had asked me to cover that song, the uh, "Such Great Heights" song. Mm -hmm. uh, he, the Postal Service record was getting ready to come out, and um, they were going to do a single. And so he asked me for a B-side. The lazy bum didn't want to do his own things. And so he asked me to cover one and James Mercer to cover one. And so we did it. And, yeah, I guess um, the, the people from the movie just dug it. So they, yeah, it was, it was just dumb luck. Yeah. Right place at the right time. And it's still a little bit something you're associated with. Yeah, very much so. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah, isn't a bad so. thing. It's a beautiful cover. I mean, it's lasted this Thank entire you. time. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, so many it's things just go song. away. Yeah, I mean, and we still have that. There you go. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a good song. You know, yeah. you can't really, it's hard to, hard to mess up a good song. Yeah, that's true. 
and, and, and I noticed Zach Braff's actually got a, another movie. It's kind of the unofficial sequel. Oh, Have yeah. you heard about that? It's coming he out. He didn't tell me. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Is he <laughs> calling you up? Like, you know he what? It's he hasn't time. He called me recently. It's time, Sam. Well, you got to be in the right place, right? you got to have to cover Let It Go is what yeah, it's going to come down to. That's going to be the next Zach Braff movie. That's right. Uh, I guess there's a lot of anniversaries happening. I did read somewhere that you've kind of been going through the archives. Yeah, we're going to um, uh, release some uh, Clear the Closet, as it as they say. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of material, you know, because I was just doing music uh, in my spare time. Yeah. Uh, the first record was just a couple selections from stuff that I had laying around. Uh, and so there was a lot of other stuff laying around. And um, for some reason or another, we've just been, you know, I like to keep working on new things. Yeah. And so it seemed dumb to put old stuff out. But, you know, over the years, people have been interested in um, and so it seemed like a good time to put it out. Yeah. How does that Sam look to you now when you look back at that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't really like to look at him. Yeah. I just keep looking at the the other direction. <laughs> yeah. No, no I I, th- I think that too because it's it's got to be, uh, I don't know, does it feel like you're wasting time or something like that? Because you're like, no. man, I could be working on this stuff. And no, no, it's there. nice. It's nice. It, honestly, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm teasing, but it's it's been nice to go back through and go, holy cow, who wrote that song? Well, I, I don't even know <laughs> Where who was that it? was. Yeah, it's really, it's a kick yeah. in the head because um, the time just flies by. I mean, yeah. it feels like, you know, on the one hand, it seems like, uh, you know, a lifetime ago, and the other hand, it seems like yesterday. So it's always a, it's always an interesting thing to do. Yeah. Do you know when you're going to be releasing all that? Uh, it should be sometime before Christmas. Maybe. You'd mentioned too that uh, you moved to uh, moved to North Carolina. Yeah, we uh, we spent the better part of the last decade in Texas, and yeah. um, turns out grandparents are are good amenity. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and so all the grandparents are on the East Coast. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's got to be nice though, because. Um, there's one thing about living in Texas and being in Texas and yeah. the idea of Texas. And then there's another thing about being away from Texas and then being able to romanticize it. That's true. Yeah. That is very true. Yeah. That's very true. Uh, I was definitely very aware of the reasons why I wanted to leave. <laughs> but I'm also very aware now of what I what I miss very yeah. Very tangibly. All of your neighbors who listen to this interview are going, what? <laughs> Did I smell? <laughs> no, we all bitch and moan about it collectively. <laughs> or we did when I lived there. Speaking of, speaking of smell, you, you, you live close to bird smell now. That's right, yeah. To, uh, to, to Ben. That's right, Mr. Mr. Brid, Mr. Bridwell. Mr. Ben Bridwell, yeah. Oddly enough, we're going into the studio in about two weeks to do some cover songs together. So that's so going to happen. As far, well, as, to, as of today... Yeah, as of today, it's going to happen. See what happens tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. we're excited. Yeah. We haven't, you know, we've been toying with the idea for ages, and so now we're finally making it happen. You know, your guys' career has kind of always been intertwined because it was his brother, right? Well, his brother and I were really good friends in high school, yeah. and I knew Ben, um, and we just kind of kept in contact. You know, when we got older and realized we were both interested in movies, we were just kind of uh, movies in the music, and we would just kind of, you know, keep in touch and. Um, so it's really, I owe Ben my entire career, to be blunt. Wow. <laughs> um, he had a band called Carissa's Weird mm-hmm. in Seattle, and they were talking to um, Sub Pop's label there about putting their stuff out, and um, he said, here, you know, he just put my stuff in their ear, and they called me up. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's cool to kind of see it come full circle then if you guys yeah. ever, do, if you actually make it to the studio in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be yeah. great. Uh, and then, um, yeah, and so then when he started the band, The Horses, we took him out on the road and yeah. sort of showed my friend off. 
<laughs> and now look where you've both went. I know, it's crazy. It's awesome. Uh, right, let's get back to your, your current music then. So like I said, Ghost on Ghost is out. It's, uh, I had it as one of my top five records last well, year. Well, you have great taste, I obviously. do have great taste. <laughs> it's fantastic. And I know you've kind of always had that thing. I love reading your reviews every single time. Mm. Because no one ever forgets what your very first record sounded like, yeah. <clears throat> even though you've really never sounded like that since your first record. Pretty much. This is kind of a jazz <laughs> record for you. I mean, this is, I think it's close yeah. to jazz as you've come so far. Well, definitely. I mean, some of the tracks are straight up, uh, you know, I mean, there's a song called Lover's Revolution. It's a straight up Minkus yeah. ripoff, um, <laughs> you know, Haitian or Cuban, you know, knife fight. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, it was definitely, you know, I've been playing with more jazz players over the years, um, and uh, it was great to be able to, you know, use that sonic space to reinterpret some of your tunes, or, you know, or to surprise yourself. Yeah. It seems to be important these days. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, no, I do love what you do every time. Does it ever feel, did you ever get tired of that, though? Like, guys, I've not sounded like that in so long. Yeah, I, you. Because <laughs> you, you have, you spent your entire career... It's fighting your reputation. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone does that to a certain extent, though. I mean, I'm definitely, yeah, it's frustrating, and you wish that they could give give your new material its due just at face value. Mm. But at the same time, you know, no matter what you put out, someone's going to think it's great, and someone's going to think it's a turd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah, right. we're all different. And yeah. so just keep on doing what you do. Yeah. Do you find that, um, do you find that some fans have an ownership of your songs, I'm aware of people, you know, and their the fans and their um, <laughs> passion, their passions. Their yeah, passion, I mean, yeah. bless them, you know. I, sure. I thank God for them. Um, but at the same time, you can't really make music for other people mm. or art for other people. You have to sort of make it for yourself. Uh, I do want to say it, it's kind of a really interesting time for uh, a certain breed of, of singer songwriters. You know, um, how are you following that? Yeah. Uh, you're 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 a solo artist who's always with a band, you know. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. But but it, but it is an interesting time because I found I, it, it looks like you know there were a bunch of you that kind of got your start around the same time who kind of yeah. were similar sounds that are just now or, or over the last few years <clears throat> um, going in these odd directions that do play yeah. against type. Like who? Uh, like uh, like uh, you know um, Ray LaMontagne just came out oh, with a new yeah. record. I know he was, you know, a little bit later than you, but but close. And yeah, his is getting all... I mean, he got with Auerbach. What is he doing? Yeah, it's, it's, he got with Dan Auerbach, so there, of course you got a little bit of Black Key sound on a few songs. Oh, cool. Psychedelic stuff That's going cool. on. But you know, I, Yeah, it just makes me think back. Like, um, it's not the first time they have. Like, Cat Stevens, you know, he, he did yeah. that. Dylan, obviously. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think everything has slowed down. The attention span has slowed down a bit. I mean, you know, think about, I mean... I'm not going to compare myself to the Beatles, so please <laughs> don't misunderstand me. But, I mean, their career was 10 years, and mm -hmm. look at the difference between their first record and right. their last record. Right. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so, but at the same time, you know, then people were putting out a record, two records a year, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And now you're lucky if you get one record every two or three years. Right. You know, there's just so much music that I think um, there's so many bands to keep track of their trajectory of whatever um it's hard it's it's more complex yeah. well yeah. i just like seeing what all of you guys are doing because like and and i was just coming at like lee hazelwood and nielsen and all of them how, yeah. how they would take it because being a solo artist whether you're playing with a band or not mm -hmm. it, it seems like um when you're a solo artist it, it's it, it would be tougher actually to, to change the game change your own game 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, is that true? You know, there's different different camps. Um, you know, some people refine what they do and do it over and over really well. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I, for better or for worse, came from a fine arts background where it was hammered from the beginning. You know, you're only as good as your next idea. Right. You know what I mean? So right. you, you're really your own worst enemy in a certain sense. I mean, you have to realize that you only draw from the same well each time, mm-hmm. but you sometimes surprise yourself at how large the well is. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, right. Um, and so you just try to keep yourself entertained, mm-hmm. honestly. And, you know, sometimes the audience gets pushed away because of that, and sometimes they embrace it and are, are, are excited by it. Yeah. You know, it just yeah, depends. Yeah. So what happens next then? Because, like we said, I'm sure you're already working ahead. And yeah, uh, well, with the the old stuff, like you said, the the closet, mm-hmm. the dusty stuff yeah. that's coming out, and then um, the stuff with Ben. Um, I've been starting to write some songs. There's an artist. Um, her name's Jessica Hoop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She's great. Um, I've been working with her with some songs, um, and then my own stuff. I think, and the Colexico record, I did a record with Colexico mm-hmm. about 10 years ago now, right. too. I don't know More that anniversaries. Time, where that time went. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we've been talking about doing a few things. And a, so a sequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, something. <laughs> You've got to the sequel part of your life, Sam. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> well, um, I can't wait to hear all of these things, and, uh, you know, whenever yeah. the next record gets done, uh, for your own uh, Iron and Wine record. Yeah, me so. too. We'll see what, yeah. what that ends up being like. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Thanks so much. Thanks it was great talking to you. Yeah, likewise. You we'll too. All right, cool. 2014 interview with Sam Beam of Iron and Wine. I'll do one more part three. This was back, I think this was the first time that he and I met. It was at, uh, it was at Bonnaroo down in Manchester, Tennessee in 2011. I was just getting my, my interview legs under me, and, and Sam was, um, he was very nice to me. <laughs> Part three of Kyle Meredith with Iron and Wine. Hey, man, how's it going? It's going well. How are you so far? I'm good, I'm good. Well, we just got here, and so we're just sort of acclimating to uh, the heat and the vibes. (laughs) It's not your first Bonnaroo. In fact, um, you you must have liked uh, one year so much that you've even released it as an album in the past. Yeah, I don't know whose idea that was but to start with, but it seemed like a good idea. Uh, We had a great time playing. I think that was the first time we played here. just it was fun uh we've been back uh this will be the second time we've been back since then uh, so it's three all in all it's bonner uh, like is that on your radar usually is this an important place to stop through uh yeah you know when we're busy in the summer um yeah i definitely love to play this festival you know it's fun people are into music here you know there's some festivals where it's more so than others um this is definitely one where people come to listen which is which is always fun it's empowering as a player as a performer you know you get a, a big group of people from everywhere in one spot, so I guess that even cuts back on the touring a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's an economical way. I like, yeah, see, I like your your thinking there. Let's talk about this new record, um, Big Leap Forward on the music. You, you, you've gone in a few different directions on this one. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, you know, it's another genre potpourri of an Iron Wine record. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I feel like, you know, each, with each record I try to do something new, you know, push yourself in some direction that you haven't gone before, you know, just to keep yourself engaged and hopefully the audience. So this was no different. It's, it feels like there's a bit more of an R&B element. You know, the arrangements feel a little more polished i don't know there's more horns well what was the mindset in that because um it, it does have the r&b feel and there's a there's a pop sensibility i think you've talked about in the past too when you went into this did you have an idea did you, were, you, were you listening to certain things that you wanted to emulate or? uh nothing 
different than what I normally listen to. I, I like all kinds of different music and always have. So it's fun to be able to include some of those things in my music now. Um, but no, I don't really go into it with a preconceived idea. That would that would mean I would have to have some kind of a forethought and initiative, and I don't really have either of those. <laughs> so uh, uh, so I just sort of take it as it comes, you know, keep your ear open and see what's going on and, you know, listen for things that you could try. I mean, if, at this point, you kind of know, and I've play with some similar, you know, the producer's the same person, you know, we, there's several people that have been with me the whole time, so we kind of know when we're treading too familiar territory, and, you know, and we like to push each other, you know, so it's, it's fun. There's one uh, outstanding moment on the record, and I think it's the last track, oh, with your, your fake name. Uh, oh, yeah, thanks. A, a massive jam at the end of that. That had to be fun in a studio. It was definitely fun, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where uh, it just happened, and we Luckily, the tape was rolling. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people will even, uh, you, when you're in the studio, I mean, live, it's a different thing to do a big jam out like that. But when you're in the studio, you usually pull back, but you decided, yeah, that stays on the record. Yeah, well, I mean, the, it kind of went with the idea of the tune. Um, you know, we definitely pushed it in that direction. You know, the idea of this sort of mantra of, you know, we'll become this, we'll become all these things at one time. It just sort of sinks into just chaos, which is kind of a, just kind of a fun, metaphoric idea. <laughs> Uh, you um, in some previous interviews you had mentioned uh, '70s pop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you grow up on a good diet of '70s pop? And if so, which one? Of course. Uh, well, I mean, I remember. You know, my parents' car smelled like Fleetwood Mac. You know, what I mean, you know what I mean. When you're like, when you when you remember those those days, you remember the smell of the car and the what the window you know the, the window crank looked like and what sounds were you know it was Elton John and Fleetwood, all that stuff that we grew up with. Um, uh, you know, there are lots of favorites. Uh, and one other thing, I was just doing research. This might be common knowledge, but you live in a household full of women. That's right, yes, yes. I, I think once I realized that, the song Woman King took on a whole new meaning for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think that was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, you just, yeah. it, it's, it's, you're a bit outnumbered. Yeah, for a long time now. It's just it's very, very easy for me to, <laughs> to, to accept being outnumbered and just you know i feel like i've become some kind of zen monk i don't know you know you just sort of learn to give up quickly and enjoy your life that way i guess it would affect your songwriting too though it, it just seems like well, it, it it affects your whole life you know i have a lot of daughters and so it affects a lot of children and just in general whether they're boys or girls um affects your life and so hopefully it affects your songwriting because hopefully you know you write from not necessarily you know diary entries like you know from your direct experience but you're engaged the way that you experience life and choose to you know interpret it all right man well it was certainly a pleasure talking to you it's great to have you back here at bonnaroo look forward to the set all right Likewise, thank you. 2011 interview with iron and wine taped uh, backstage at uh, at bonnaroo 2011 uh, again the brand new record calexico and iron and wine it's called years to burn thanks so much to sam for uh, for all the conversations and hopefully it doesn't take um another 14 years for us to talk again I doubt it will. The man stays busy. Hey, before you get out of here, uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. You can do it anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from. That includes iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can also subscribe at YouTube. And in any of those, please give a hello. Tell me uh, where you're listening from. And if it's in the uh, the podcast, of course, you can give the series a rating and leave a review. I tell you, that helps a ton. If you're a fan of this series, it's a great way to help out. After that, head to WFPK.org where you can find me 
Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern for the Kyle Meredith with radio show, where you can also find some bonus episodes of the series there as well. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. I'm also over at Twitter at Kyle Meredith, Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.